0: Living in retrospect is a bad idea, and sometimes we let our same old stories hold us back from the new adventure God has for us. But here's the truth God wants to restory us, transforming our tales of tragedy into epics to anticipate. In this podcast, Mary DeMuth interviews people who have lived through God's powerful restory process, where they've discovered healing, joy, and a brand new perspective. So let's shed that old, painful story and find the freedom we've been longing for. The ReStory Podcast starts now. ReStory, Episode 12. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audio book and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash ReStory. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today I am welcoming Chris Berkeley to the um, Restory show and I'm really excited to share his story with you. It's a hard story it's an agonizing story, but ultimately a beautiful story really challenged me to look at what does it mean to follow Christ when things don't go the way that you wanted them to go and so He just displayed a lot of courage, a lot of perspective, a really good grasp of great theology, and I think that you will be really blessed by hearing Chris's story today. So let's listen to Chris's story. All right. Hey, everyone. This is Mary DeMuth, and I'm here uh, with Chris Berkeley on the Restory podcast, and he has been one of the people that God set on my heart very clearly when I started this podcast. God just dropped his name in my mind and would not let me go until I bothered him incessantly to make him do this. So, no, he wants to. Uh, but Chris, thanks so much for coming on the Restory podcast today.
1: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Um,
0: so tell me just a little bit about yourself. How did you—you're uh, a Christ follower, and how did you meet Jesus?
1: Yeah, well, I was uh, born into a Christian home. And at an early age, um, my mom and dad, basically, we were talking through it all. And I was a young kid. And I told mom and dad, I said, I think it's time for me to give my life to Jesus. I said, you're a little bit young. Uh, I was about four, about to be five. And I said, here's the deal. I know that I'm a sinner in need of Jesus. And I'm letting him be the Lord and Savior of my life, with or without you guys on board. And so I said, okay, (laughs) if you're that strong on it, let's go ahead and roll that direction. So that night I sat at my uh, mom and dad's bedside and I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. Uh, He took control of my life at that point. Um, And so I think I was was young in my faith, and I was young, not really fully understanding everything, but was raised in the church and brought up to understand who Jesus was. And so uh, around probably my junior, senior year of high school, I think there was that point in the life that you go, I know I made this decision as a kid, but is this going to continue to be who I am? And um, just the Lord really solidified who He was to me in those moments. And that was also when I felt Him call me towards full-time ministry. And so that was kind of a big uh, changing point in life for me um, to go from the worldly wants of my dreams were to be um, rich and wealthy. And then he goes, (laughs) Look at you now. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we're living the dream. And so, uh, (laughs) no, but uh, and he's definitely fulfilled all the blessings we could have ever wanted and more in this role and what he's called us to. So um, that's a little short synopsis of my life.
0: Awesome. In a nutshell. Uh, So what do you do right now?
1: Right now, I am a campus pastor, so that means I lead one of our multi-site churches for Lake Point Church. I lead the site in Forney, Texas, and we are a portable church, so we set up and tear down each week. And I have been on staff at Lake Point for a little over eight years, and I've been in my current role for the past two years.
0: Awesome. And so um, the best question ever is, how did you meet your wife?
1: Yeah. So my wife is a beautiful person. uh, Extremely blessed by who God chose to put me with. I met her at middle school camp. She was not a middle schooler. Let me just clarify. Uh, (laughs) So my wife was a camp counselor the first year I was on staff with our church. And I saw this beautiful blonde woman standing across from me leading a group of middle school students. And it was like a light shone down from heaven saying, that's the one you need to go after. And so after um, a couple of years of dating, we got married in 2010. And so we are approaching our six-year wedding anniversary this coming April.
0: I'm glad to hear that you weren't a middle schooler and she was a counselor. Correct. That would have been a little awkward.
1: Correct. All of those things could get awkward, but no, <laughs> yeah. it was all on the up and ups. We promise. That's awesome.
0: Once you graduated from college, did you go right into ministry or did you have a I different did. job? Okay,
1: I did. And so, yeah, my first job out of college was with the church that we're still currently at. And so we jumped right in and that was the same summer I met Megan. So it was just a whole lot of good that summer
0: what a great summer awesome so uh, one of the, the story that I wanted to talk about is a difficult one um, you were you got pregnant your wife got pregnant and you soon found out that something was wrong with the pregnancy so why don't you tell me a little bit about that
1: yeah we were um, this was <clears throat> a couple of years ago now and so um, I'd have to look at my exact dates but January of 2014. Uh, When we found out that we were pregnant and we had been married, you know, almost four years at that point, had waited and said, we want to have some time just as a married couple to do life together before adding a third to the mix. Really felt it was that time. And uh, so we started trying to have a baby. And sure enough, we get pregnant. Everything is going along smoothly. Um, And I think even at the beginning of it, we were a little bit, um, it's the right word, not lazy, but just it wasn't as big of a shock. It was one of those things that we go, oh, awesome. We're going to have a baby. That's exactly what we wanted. You're kind of in that shock of going Okay, I'm going to be a new parent, so start thinking through all the normal new parent stuff, and you don't quite join in the celebration just yet because you kind of get a little freaked out of our whole schedules going up in. We can't go <laughs> vacation every three months, you know. <laughs> We've got used to doing, um, and so I think that first three months of the pregnancy, we really we didn't quite have as much of a sacred view of the little life. We were excited, don't get me wrong, sure, um, but we were more nervous about some of the normal pregnancy things that I guess young couples face than what we knew was on the horizon. April of that month. Yeah, so it was right at the end of the first trimester. Uh, you go in for a test that's called a quad screen, and it's checking against the major uh, birth defects. So trisomy 21, which is Down mm-hmm. syndrome, trisomy 18, some of these different um, large-scale that we know are birth anomalies are going on. And so one of the tests came back um, with a with an issue in it, that basically there was enzymes in the test that should not have been there, mm-hmm. and which caused a triggered reaction of a bunch of extra tests to happen. Um, And so we went to a specialist that was a level two sonographer. So they take you in and um, begin doing a more thorough examination of your baby at that point. Uh, And that was one of the longest days of our lives Mm because we sat in that room um, and great doctor, great staff. Um, But it was one of those moments where they took us, it was a one in 50 shot that there was something wrong based on the test that we'd already taken. So we're going, Hey, that's a 98% that we're in the clear Uh, They took us into a genetic counselor who's talking and going, really, I don't even think y'all should be here. Everything's, I'm sure, going to be okay. This is just really at this point with this small of a chance. Uh, But I think Megan and I both in our guts, we knew something was amiss. Um, Mm. And so we went through the genetic counselor. She talked through of our gene pools to go, hey, is there any issues like this in the past? Is there anything that could cause issue? Nothing that stuck out there. So we went on to the sonographer. Uh, and that was just those moments that it was like you could hear a pin drop in the room. Um, oh. A lot of heavy breathing with him. So he's sitting there with, uh, you know, my wife's belly out with the jelly on it. And he's got the sonographer wand looking at t- our, our little tiny baby in there. And his taking just big, deep breaths.
2: Mm-hmm. And he's not
1: saying anything. And he's typing, He'll you know, take pictures and type words like anencephaly that I don't have any foot at that point. but um, Typing those on the screen as he takes snapshots of our little baby. At one point, Darren, he said, I'm sorry, I'm not saying anything. I just really need to concentrate on what I'm seeing. That's never stuff that oh. you really hear that moment. And so Megan's just gripping tight to my hand at this moment, and we're watching. And, and Megan's a nurse, and so she's got some understanding of the medical terminology that's being used. But it is such a rare um, occasion, I guess, that those words would be used not in her field. She's not in baby practice, and so she's not seeing those words as a normal, but she knows that something is amiss. Um, So he shuts the machine down and says, I have very bad news. Mm. Uh, Your baby has what's called anencephaly. And it's a basic condition where the neural tube doesn't close up, which causes the baby's, uh, basically his skull not to form. And so his brain still developed. All those things still developed. It just had nothing to hold it in. Um, And so that that was what triggered the initial test is that he was leaking fluid out that shouldn't have been leaking out because... Uh, our little baby who we later named Asher was not, um, he, he wasn't closed up properly. Uh, and so at that point, the sonographer said, um, and he was, he was actually a doctor, wasn't just a sonographer. He was a um, special needs doctor basically for high risk pregnancies, um, who we have now grown fond of cause we get to go back to him all the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, at that point said, you know, there's, there's really no future for this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, he said this baby, it will not survive outside the womb he goes it will be a rarity if he survives all the way to all the way to birth and his immediate reaction was there's no reason for you to put yourself through the l- laborious pregnancy of this he said we need to schedule you for um, termination and oh. they, didn't, they didn't use words like abortion they didn't use mm-hmm. words anything that would be a trigger word and so me and Megan you know we're just sitting there just stunned of what we're hearing that for the first 15 16 weeks of this thing We've been a little happy-go-lucky, other than the normal concerns, and now we're sitting here going, our entire world has come crashed down around us. All the plans we have have changed, um, and it was one of those moments. I think we both sit there a little confused, even in the midst of going. You know, I'm I live in Texas and I'm a pastor. I'm pretty sure I'm pro-life, or I don't have a job, right? Like that's not a political argument that we were even making, but we're sitting there going. What's, what's right right now is, mm-hmm. is this little baby that can't make it on his own? Should we turn? Like, we had questions and I go, I'm as pro-life like, that's part of my stick is I go, I, I love babies. I love life, but we're sitting there confused at that moment. And it was a very easy spot, I think for the evil one to jump in and begin going, this isn't a life you need to worry about. This isn't mm. a life, you know? And so we walked home from that, um, that day stunned first off crushed, but also a bit confused of going, God, what, what do we do in this moment? Uh, so fast forward that night, um, and if you have any other questions, you can butt in or I'll just mm-hmm. keep. Yeah, uh, keep going. And it's so good. that night we got home and um, it was just that shock was setting in. and We began praying through, what does this look like for this little life? Um, and we just continued to be reaffirmed by the Lord in our call to be his parents, um, by which we'd had to walk through this entire thing, that we were Asher's parents and mm-hmm. that our calling didn't matter if he had a massive birth defect or not. Our calling was to be his parents. And what parents do is they provide a safe and warm and loving home for that baby. And they ultimately point the baby towards Jesus and help the baby understand how to his life point others towards Jesus. And so we begin asking that question, what does that look like for a baby that the world has already disregarded? What does that look like for a little guy that really has zero chance outside the womb? And so that night, it was one of those just moments that God reached down and through Google, sometimes the Lord does use Google. um, And uh, it was in one of those moments that night that we were just Googling the condition. And you find out all these things about anencephaly that used to, the doctors would not even allow the moms to see the babies because it's a very graphic um, situation because the little baby doesn't have a top of his head. uh, And so there's some gory factor to it, things like that. And so we're beginning to look at that and go, this is what our little boy is up against. Mm-hmm. But in the research, we found a family, and I'd have to look up their name. I don't have it offhand, but basically a family who had gone through the exact same struggle we went through. We found their blog in which they said, we're going to make this little life worth more than what we can even imagine and let God do more than we can imagine with this little baby's life. And they began doing adventures with their baby. And they said, we may not get to have him outside the womb, um, but we're going to take him on a good time while he's in the womb. And so that was a really big moment for us to go, this gives us some purpose in these next weeks of that this little baby may not get any time alive outside the womb, but we can show him a good time while he's there Mm -hmm. and we can let a story be something bigger. Um, and so that night we we decided it was really just a moment that we go, you know what, in the midst of confusion, God gave clarity of going, this isn't a life that gets terminated. You don't get to be the call on when this happens. And even the doctors, you know, we have a really great OB and she said, "I, I, I, she goes, I, I am, pro-choice, she said, but I don't perform abortions, nor do I allow my office to perform those. She said, when there's little babies like this, she said, even Down syndrome, she said, it's not something that I'll give the option to my moms in my office to abort those babies. She said, but for little babies like this, I do terminations for them because there's just no chance. So even that, we're sitting there so confused of what Mm. all these different things are. Um, But God, in his ultimate wisdom, gave clarity to go, this little baby is not your choice of when you want to give birth to him. That's not your choice. I'll choose his days. And because basically if we, they, they were talking, just go ahead and go and let the let the birth begin. And we're going, well, that's a death sentence for this little guy. He's at, you know, 16, 17 weeks. There's no chance of survival at that point. And so we made up our minds to go, we're going to let the little baby choose when he comes. But that's going to be God and his choice. Uh, so that won't be our choice. And we just decided that the next uh, weeks of our life, we were going to spend taking this little guy on adventures and let his story be something greater. Uh, And so that was when we decided to write a blog, which we've never really delved off into those things before. But we're going, uh, number one, I don't want to have to explain this to every person I encounter. Uh, As a leader of a church, there's 200 and some odd people that are sitting under my care that I really, I don't think I had the heart at that moment to sit and have that same conversation 200 times. And so we go, if we can get all the information out online, let it disseminate itself. Um, it was perfect timing of the Lord. We were just before our fourth year wedding anniversary. Uh, so this was just days before this, that we found all this out. And we had a trip scheduled that we were going um, for our anniversary to Hawaii. And so it was beautiful timing by the Lord to get us out of here and have time just to be together and to unpack what this was going to look like over those next few weeks. And to also begin that process of letting our little boy story be told. Mm. So we uh, let the blog loose, and quickly it began disseminating with lots of prayers from the saints all around us. Um, Really pretty picture of the body of Christ, to be honest. It was one of those moments that you hear of the body of Christ reaching out and providing comfort and hope in times of need. But until you're in the position to receive it, I don't know that you can get its full glory. Um, And those were moments that we got to see through the coming months of just the way people from all corners of our different walks of life Um, We had a friend that was a college friend of mine that I didn't even know that well, saw our blog, and her church in Waco sent a prayer blanket that the ladies had knit together. Just little moments Mm. that were were being prayed for all over the place. Uh, And and it really does. It carries you through those moments. It's moments like that that I go, the need of the body of Christ is definite and it's apparent, and it comes through shining. So we go and disseminate the information and. Over the next few weeks, just began telling people the stories of where Asher's going to go. That was a name that um, we were sitting that first couple of nights. Um, this was also Easter weekend when all this happened, and so as a pastor, that's like the Super Bowl, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so you're all prepare for this, and I'm just trying to chug through this. So it was a lot of prayers and our staff taking care of most things, and um, me slapping a smile on, even though I was broken inside. Um, and we were sitting at one of our favorite restaurants. It's a little diner in Dallas. Um, and we were just Googling names because we had a name, Cedar, that was picked out for this baby if it was a boy. Um, and as soon as we found all this out we go, it can't just be something we think is jazzy and cool. It's got to be something that has meaning. Mm-hmm. And as we began searching through names, the name Asher popped out, which meant blessed, um, mm-hmm. a little blessed baby. And the question we got a lot was going, well, how is this baby a blessed baby? That I mean, blessed and fortunate, I think, was the two terms that mm-hmm. were uh, this little boy. A- and really, it allowed us to tell the story that, there was a God who was watching out for Asher far before we knew the issues he was going to encounter. A God who had bigger plans for his life and really, in all honesty, has probably used his life, his short little 31 weeks, in bigger ways than perhaps some of us have had our lives used in the entire time we've been in existence on this earth.
2: That mm-hmm.
1: uh, the Lord was able to use his little story for a lot more than what we imagined. Um, and so that's why we think that name fit, um, because he was fortunate that he has a God that loves him and a God that cares for him. So that's short synopsis of the front end.
0: Yes. And so then you took him on some adventures. What were some of your adventures?
1: Yeah. So we took him, um, some areas that normally pregnant women probably don't go, um, that we took him mm-hmm. down things like, uh, we went to high school camp with our students and took him down the Alpine slide. And there's big, huge signs say no pregnant women allowed. <laughs> uh, you know, we're taking this kid on as many adventures as we can go all praying the wild, you know, and I think that's an important part of the story is that we knew that God is a powerful enough God that he could have healed Asher. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were praying towards with all of our might. Um, but my pastor gave me some really clear advice. He said, you pray towards the miraculous, but you prepare for the current reality you're in. Right. Um, and our current reality was the doctors were saying no chance. No, no. And so that was even questions that people posed of going, well, do you build a nursery Um, Do you have a spot? And I'm going, I don't want to go home to an empty nursery if this doesn't, if God chooses not to heal this little guy. If his restoration is coming in a different way, if he's going to tell our story in a different way, then I don't want to have faith that the only way this is good is if we come home with a baby that's perfectly healthy.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, That was another
1: bit of advice our pastor Steve gave me of just, you have to have faith in God, not based on this outcome, but the faith that either A, he heals Asher or B, his grace will be sufficient. And that both of those things are equal. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a really, it's a nice thing to say. It's a hard thing to live out to go, your grace's sufficiency is enough to carry me through this. And that in the end, that will be just as good as if you'd healed my baby. Because I'm telling you, even at this point, a couple of years out of this, I'm still going, I still think it would have been better, Lord, if you healed him. You know, know, (laughs) um, (laughs) and I do understand what Steve was saying in that sense of going, the grace that is sufficient will carry you through and that it will be almost, it will be equal to if God had done the miraculous. Um, and so those were moments that I needed that to carry us through those things. Uh, so we took them on alpine slides, going down the hills of Colorado. Uh, we took him to Disneyland. We took him to uh, Hawaii, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and little things like that, that we went on these crazy hikes that we should not have gone on with a baby in tow, but we were taking him on some adventures before his time here was done. Um, So those are just a few of the things that we did.
0: For the listeners of Restory, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to check out their service. Today, I'm going to suggest that you try A Grace Disguised by Jerry Sitzer, and uh, he uh, writes a lot about grief and grieving, and those are some amazing—he has a couple of books on Audible, but that's one that I would highly recommend. Also, uh, you can download this book or any other book that you've been wanting to listen to at audibletrial.com forward slash restory. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash restory for your free audiobook. And so then at 31 weeks, did her water break or did something happen? How did that? It, um,
1: we had gone on a trip to see my sister who lives in Birmingham. And we got back from that trip, and Megan said, I just haven't felt him in a while. Mm. Uh, and so we had bought online a little Doppler that you could listen to his heartbeat Um, because we're going we're not going to get to really probably talk to him or see him alive on this planet so we're going to listen to him and so every couple of nights we get the Doppler out and listen to his little heartbeat and check that he was okay and you know talk to him and let him listen to some tunes and things like that (laughs) so we got the Doppler out we couldn't find a heartbeat Mm -hmm. and so we I think we both knew at that point she said I haven't felt him in a day or two we went to the doctor the next morning. Um, they did a sonogram and sure enough, little Asher had passed away inside of Megan. Mm-hmm. And even that was a moment that it, our plan, I mean, even I think we were praying towards healing, but there's a lot of little babies with anencephaly that they they survive for a few minutes, for a few hours outside the womb. They breathe outside the womb. So you get a little bit of time with them. Right. And In our idea, we're going, okay, Lord, if you don't heal him, can we at least have that? So there was a little bit even that first day that we found out that he passed inside Megan that we're going, seriously, God, you couldn't have at least given us a few minutes. Come on, Mm -hmm, like,
2: mm -hmm. we're
1: really trying to take these right steps and have faith. You couldn't have at least given us that. Um, And I think what God continued to reveal was that his plan was better than ours. And so fast forward to uh, July 31st, which was the day we delivered, little Asher. Um, You know, we go home from the doctor that night. She said, we can check you in tonight and go ahead and get this rolling or we can check in tomorrow. Um, And basically they didn't want little Asher to stay inside Megan too long because the further he was in there, the body decomposes inside of Megan just as much as it would outside. so they said the best chance of you having some time with him, you know, to see his little body, even though he's already would be to go ahead and deliver the baby. And so, um, we had not prepared yet. We hadn't packed bags. We hadn't bought any clothes for him. You know, things that um, we knew that we wanted to get to have some time with him. And although we knew he wasn't here, but to have some time just to see him and learn him and the things you want to do with your little baby. Um, wow. There was also a really killer organization called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep that, um, unreal. They, they helped really us guide us through the process of having a baby that was not born alive mm-hmm. and how you still cherish that life. That they send a photographer out pro bono. It's a killer spot. Go check them out. Now I lay me down to sleep. Mm. Um, and they really. It was one of those moments that without them, um, then six hours that we held him and saw him would not have been the same without them doing what they did. Um, but that's jumping ahead. So we went that night to Babies R Us, bought little clothes, bought little hats, little animals for him to have um, for little time we would have, and then went in the next day and they induced uh, labor. And at this point it's considered a full-on labor because right. he's got to contract. It has to do all the work. Wow. Um, and it's even harder because what we're asking the body to do in 24 hours, a normal woman's body begins weeks out preparing to deliver the baby. Um, and so that was a, that was a rough night of a lot of meds to get everything to begin doing the processes to deliver a little Asher. Um, and then the next day, the next morning he was delivered. And so, his little body came out. And it was evident that his little body was broken. Mm. Uh, come to find out that part of his uh, faults is that he had trisomy 18, um, which is a basically tripling up on a third trisomy on a third um, chromosome, similar to trisomy 21 presents and makes um, Down syndrome. This is a different one that is a more fatal trisomy. And the way the doctor described it to us is you think about if you're building a building and your plans are all in, in a language you don't understand. And that's how the body has tried to build this little guy. So we found out that he had some other issues. He had clubbed feet to where his feet were turned inward. Um, his One of his hands was a little bit crooked and a little bit kind of stiff. Um, just some things that you could tell that when the body was trying to write this little guy into existence, it had a bad set of blueprints. Mm. And so... But it was little moments that we got to cherish those little imperfections, and we got to hold him, we got to love on him. Um, that was where this organization, who had come to take, just came. They only came to take photos, but they really came and saved the day for us. That they, uh, all the clothes we bought were way too big. He was like a pound. I want to say six ounces at it, wow. a pound. Pounds? He was tiny. He fit in the palm of my hand. Uh, so mm-hmm. even the premature stuff we bought was, you know, it was a tarp on him. Um, but luckily the people at now I Lay me down to sleep knew this. And so they brought little baby doll clothes with them. Mm. and so mm. he had something to wear and he had little hats that fit. The lady had had, um, some women knit little small, tiny, uh, toboggans for anencephaly babies because it is a gruesome sight Um, for some, for us, it was our baby and I didn't care. Uh, but for some that saw it was a gruesome sight. but it was a little hat that he could wear that covered up some of the brokenness that he exhibited. And so we spent about six hours with him that day and our families came in and held him and loved on him and took pictures. And uh, it was some moments like that, that I guess when you talk about a piece that passes understanding, those were moments we had for six hours that day. Um, that I, I expected chaos out of both me and Megan to be sitting there with a little baby that we'd lost. But it was just, it was right. And even in that sense that he didn't come into this world alive for a few minutes, we look back on that now and go, it was perfect. The mm-hmm. way that it was, it was perfect. It was peaceful. We didn't have to listen to, you know, what might have been him taking his last breath, that he right. came out already at peace and already here we go. It was a little shell of his body because we know that he was with the Lord at that moment. Um, so there was something to be said for even God's timing in that, that we thought he was going, Lord, do you even know what you're doing, which of course he did, um, that he knew exactly what he was doing to help us begin the process already of restoring our story and putting us back together in those moments. So we spent about six hours with him, uh, made the choice that we wouldn't continue because as as the six hours progressed, coloring went away. Things that you have a little baby that didn't make it. And so the the longer we took with him, the worse he could his little body would look. And so we had even talked that night about, should we get him back from the, because they said, you can call and we'll bring him back to you anytime. The hospital was great. Um, The nursing staff was great. Um, But we just made the decision to say, you know what? That's not him anymore. He is complete and he's restored in heaven with Jesus. And we don't need to continue seeing a more um, broken little body. We know exactly what he was and we're going to cherish that time. Um, And so that was it. We We didn't ask for him back. A funeral home in Sunnyvale took him and had him cremated. And then um, we had some an aunt and uncle that said, hey, we want to fly you out of town. Where do you want to go? And uh, Hawaii is just that place to us that's a safe spot. We know it. We didn't have to think about it. So um, about a month after we delivered Asher, we took his ashes and spread it in some significant spots um, in in Hawaii um, that were significant to me and Megan prior to this and that are now even more. And so that uh, by no means did that wrap our story with Asher, um, but I, I, I would say that story will never be wrapped. Right. Um, we will always feel the pain and there's, um, there, there are some who go, okay, so are you over this now? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think you quite understand it. This was a baby that we lost. Mm-hmm. And yes, I know we never held him as a living little child, but this was a baby that for 31 weeks, Megan felt him kicking and moving. And, uh, he was alive just as much as any of us are alive. He just only lived 31 weeks. Um, and so it was those moments when people ask, are you over it? I go, I will never be over him, nor do I want to be. Mm -mm. Um, That that What what a shame it would be for me to walk through life not having been changed by this little baby's story and this little boy's moments that God gave us. There was a real telling moment for me because I I can go into compartmentalized man um, and begin to go, okay, if we could just compartmentalize this. And so me and Megan had this conversation one day driving after Asher. Um, after he was already in heaven with the Lord, that we, I said, let's, let's take two options. Option A um, is that we walk the exact same road we just did. That 31 weeks, there's a little baby we know that won't make it. Our option B, the Lord says, hey, listen, you've got 31 weeks that you're not going to have the chance of getting pregnant. But you can just go about your normal life, but just know that there's no uh, pregnancies in the future. And she said, I take option A every time. And I'm sitting there going, that blows my mind because option B has zero pain. Mm -hmm. Option B has zero moments that we've sitting here, you know, in turmoil together. But for Megan, she said, I wouldn't pass up a moment that I had with him in those 31 weeks. And to me, that was very telling of her faith, but also the way the Lord was restoring her, who I'm going, I'm not even the one that carried this little baby. I'm not the one who had morning sickness and all the things that are associated with a normal pregnancy Yet for her, she goes, I'd do it every time again. Hmm. Uh, to me, that was very, um, it was one of those God moments to me, was sitting there going, gosh, you're big, Lord. You're so much bigger than I ever give you credit for in these moments. And you are a God who is putting these pieces back together in route to your ultimate restoration. So those were, those were little tad bits along the way that just he continued to reveal that he is a good God.
0: I think you're right in that the church has a hard time with grief. And in any sort of way, like I'll I'll have, I'll be counseling sexual abuse victims and they'll have people say, well, aren't you over it by now? And I give the analogy of losing a human. So when you lose somebody, no matter what age they are, whether they're really, really old or really, really young, you never get over it. It's a loss. It's it's a brokenness. Yeah. And even Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, he wept. I mean, he, he felt the weight of loss, even though he knew that Lazarus was going to live. He still I, felt the I, weight I, of it.
1: Yeah, and that's actually a story that we've gone back to. I have a buddy who wrote a um, a digital short book that was called The God That Wasn't There uh, by Josh Pease, and it was unpacking the story of Lazarus. And with his thesis of it was going, if all Jesus came to do was to heal death, he failed, because ultimately Lazarus passes. Mm-hmm. But what does that story unpack for us? It unpacks the humanity of who Jesus is, um, that he weeps with us, he cries with us. And that he's not just coming to prevent pain, but he's coming to be a God who intervenes and steps in and guides us through the pain. Um, And so that was moments that we kept going back to that going, that's who God is. That's his nature, that he cares for us deeply and that he weeps when we weep. And that makes Him an even bigger God to go. He knows he's going to restore this. Yet in his humanity, he was willing to come in and swoop in. So
0: So in light of that, how important it is is it to have a grand theology of God and a a knowledge of his sovereignty?
1: It is. And I think it's even important in the intermediate not to get boxed in of how small or big your God is, to go let him expound. If you have that box, to go throw the box away, because it's these moments that you go, if I had had a small view of God, he would have been a small God to me during that time. But I had a big view to go, I need you to do more than I can understand. I need you—I mean— We sit there and look at stories in Scripture that he feeds more people out of a boy's sack lunch than was humanly possible. So we know that this is the nature of God, that he does more with things that seem trivial and that seem like the world would toss them aside than we can imagine. Uh, And I, I really think that's the story of Asher, is that he continues to do more with Asher's story with a little life that the world had disregarded and that the world would say is useless, a little life that was told, terminate, don't carry full term, there's no reason Well, God gave that purpose. And so if he can give a little broken baby with anencephaly purpose, how much bigger can he do with those of us that are walking this earth day in and day out? How much more can he do in all of our broken states to let it be redeemed for his glory and to let our stories be something um, that he crafts and creates to paint a bigger picture of who he is? So those are little moments. But, you know, it's all it's all stuff that I knew in theory walking in. (laughs) But I walk out now going, it is who he is because I saw it. It's that moment where before you have um, the theories, but now I have the trust that that's who he is because I watched it. I watched him even now still putting the pieces back together of our story. And so that's things that go, it's a big God that can handle that.
0: And you're using words like seeing and watching. And it reminds me of Job where he said, I used to know you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see you. Like, you, right. you heard this, but now you see it. And it also reminds me of the beauty of God's kingdom where Asher's story, something that seems insignificant or small is actually quite large in the kingdom of God. And we have leaders and rulers and, and important people in this world who will have zero impact on the kingdom, um, because they're full of themselves or because, you know, they think that might is the way to the kingdom. And here we have this sweet story and a sweet boy who reminds us that little is much in the hands of God.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, his his little life was worth far more than I could have ever imagined. And in all honesty, I go, I think he's going to have a greater impact because the Lord's using him than in a lot of ways, maybe he would have if he had been here. I don't know. I don't know how far his story will reach, um, but I know that God's using it and is doing great things with it.
0: I agree. And, and so... After his death and after so much mourning and so much grief, um, eventually you found yourself pregnant again. We did, um, And when, how much longer afterwards was that, and were you freaked out?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we it's one of those things, and this is what's so, um, I guess, good about who God is, is that after you walk through that trial, you kind of go, okay, I, I really feel like if we came out of this, and we still love each other, me and Megan. Our marriage is stronger coming out of this. Our faith in who Jesus is is stronger coming out of this. That's only possible by the power of God. And so as we begin looking at the next pregnancy, of course, there's a there's a question mark of, will this happen again? Um, and we didn't walk in with fear, though. And that was really, I go, only because of the hand of the Lord working, because I think it could have been easy to go, gosh, let's wait a long time. Let's really heal. And even the doctor said, hey you need to wait until, um, they said, wait a year before you even begin thinking about it. And I'm like, is that emotionally or physically was the question I asked. They said, really? That's just an emotional thing. We think you need to really work through this. I'm going, God's been working on us since April 15th or whatever the date was. I think it was somewhere around there that we found out about this. He's been putting these pieces back together already. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they said, really, we want at least three months physically. And so I said, okay, we'll go with that one. Um, and sure enough, like, I mean, it was quick. It was just the Lord going, hey, you wanted a baby. You walked through that. We're going to give you something else. But it was still those moments we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was I, I played back that conversation Megan and I had that she said, I'd do it again. I would go right. this exact route. I would not change a thing. And so there was some building of trust and building of faith in who God is that in that moment we go, regardless of what happens, this is going to be used to, number one, Either us feel his grace more or, number two, have a healthy baby. And so we walked in with almost less fear, to be honest, than we did of the normal pregnancy fears. Because at that point, I'm going, I'll take the overnight feedings, right? I'll take the dirty diapers. Those things don't freak me out at all anymore. Um, it was almost as if God had removed those fears and God gone just based in the glory of who I am during this one. And so our story now is that we have a healthy little six-month-old at home who we gave birth to a year, um, just shy of a year from Asher's birth date. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about three months after Asher is when we got pregnant with um, our baby, who we did name Cedar, uh, little Cedar Jude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what uh, could get confusing is that it seems as though Cedar was God's recipe to fix our story. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't really see him as that. I think God was fixing our story before Cedar came into existence, before we knew if he was going to be healthy or not, God was restoring me and Megan in the fact that he's a good God, and in the fact that he did what his will was with Asher's little life. And that although the world was broken, God was going to fix the situation. And so that's where I sit there going, we don't blame God for Asher. Um, we don't sit there and go, this is God, you did this to us. We call it what I think it is, as a result of the fallen world that we're in a spot that's broke in dire need of a God who's putting the pieces back together. And we just watched it really clearly how he reached down from heaven and put those pieces back together. Cedar's icing on that cake to me. right? Um, But it was not, I don't sit there and go, that's how he restored the story by giving us a healthy baby. No, he worked on me and Megan far before that. And really he worked on us being okay with Asher's story. Um, That that was what to me was the defining restoration retooling of our story was us going, we're okay with the way this turned out. That happened prior to Cedar. So those moments, that's where I go, Cedar was icing on the cake, and I love that God did that for us, and he's a really cute baby, probably the cutest one I've ever seen.
2: Uh, (laughs) He's very cute.
1: (laughs) I love all those things, but I go, that wasn't the way that God restored our story. That was part of it, but the bigger piece had already been done as we became okay with the way that Asher's life uh, existed. As we became okay and at peace of that, I think that was really the restoration we felt from the Asher side of things.
0: I love that. And I was kind of thinking that that would be your answer to that, because as you've mentioned before, nothing can replace the grief of one. I mean, there's no replacement. That's not how life works, and it's not how God works. Um, like you said, Cedar was the uh, the extra bonus, the, the sweetness of God to give you something like that. But had He not... Had you never been pregnant again, you still would have learned, even though difficult, you still would have learned that God is good. Right. And I think that's part of the lesson that we have.
1: Yeah, and I think that's part of what increased our view of who God is, that He began, he became a bigger God after this than He was before this to both me and Megan. And so if that's all that He did with little Asher's life, which He did far more, that would be enough. Um, because anytime our view of God increases, so does our view of everything He's done. And the past and the future, you go, I can have more trust in a God who's bigger than I can imagine.
0: So true. So I asked my, um, the people I interview uh, a couple questions. One is, and this is you've kind of already answered this, but maybe you want to restate it a little different way. How has God restoried you? How has He given you a new story in the aftermath of the other story?
1: Yeah, I think He's given me um, a bigger story of the sanctity of life and that all life is precious. And not that I didn't have that before and not that it causes me to jump on a political soapbox by any means. Um, but to go, life is precious. It's delicate. I think we took for granted for a while that first, um, couple months of Asher's pregnancy and to go, I don't want to take for granted anything. I don't want to take for granted a little miscarried baby anymore, but that's a precious life. If, and even if it's ten or twelve weeks, that's something to be mourned when we lose it mm-hmm. uh, That's something that and and now you're looking at stats of one in five women miscarry a baby things mm-hmm. like that that you go it's not always talked about but it's a little life that's a loss and we're allowed to grieve, but we're allowed to let God come in and be the restorer of that moment also I think he's mm-hmm. restored me in that way um I think me and Megan both we sit here going, if we can make it through this. Then really, what what else can the world throw at us that our God can't cover?
0: Um, and so it has
1: increased that to go, our God's big enough that whatever, if it's cancer, if it's financial loss, the things that tend to be the, exib- the exhibition of brokenness, if you call it, of the world, to go any of those things, God's big enough that he's got it. And so I guess my trust in him has increased. Through this, which doesn't make sense because in human terms, in world terms, you go, this kind of stuff should make you go, God, where were you? Like that's how most people lash out to go, God, you caused this. Why didn't you heal him? That we begin pointing the fingers when God's going, you're a part of a broken world that I'm fixing and I'm bringing my kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm going to give you a little taste of it. And I think we got that for 31 weeks, Mm. um, that we got a taste of his kingdom on earth with Asher. And so it's little things like that that I go, those stories don't make sense other than the fact that the gospel is true and other than the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. Otherwise, that wouldn't be – I don't think that would be how we walk through this or how we came out of this.
0: I like what you're saying about the kingdom, too. It's so much bigger and – kind of paradoxical and stranger than we could even imagine. Right. Um, it doesn't always make sense, but God is building it here and now on this earth and I'm grateful for that. And so what would you say to someone who's facing this kind of a pregnancy issue? What kind of advice would you give someone?
1: Yeah, we actually um, got the opportunity to give someone this advice because um, pretty quickly this past year, um, there was a member of another small group at Lake Point over in Rockwall, um, who went walk the same path. Mm. So we sat with this young couple and they were at the same spot. We were of just confused and going, how do we walk through this? Um, and the advice we gave them was number one, cherish the little life as a little boy named Matthew cherish mm. his life, come up with what it looks like for you. For us, it was taking him on adventures. It could look really different for you, but what does it mean to cherish this little life while he's here? And so that would be my first recommendation. My second one would be to go, if you're not already involved in biblical community, find it because you're going to need it. You're going to need, and and, and maybe biblical is not the right word, because if you're not into the God thing and you're listening to this, don't let that stop you from finding people who care about you. Um, and so I, I'll tell you a good spot is at church that people tend to care about you when you jump in at church. And so if you ha- don't have that yet, maybe that's your open door. Um, but to find a spot where people will care about you and love you through this and carry you through this. I would give you the advice to be careful that people are going to say some really stupid things. Um, <laughs> yes. That we, we even had the encounter with, with Cedar that we, you know, part of our medical history now is that we lost a baby to anencephaly. And so there was this idiot doctor. Um, I won't name her name. Mm-hmm. She's an idiot. And she said, Oh, so this is your first good pregnancy. Oh. And I'm sitting there going, Have great stress. Yeah. And this is like at the umpteenth hour of us being up with a newborn. Oh. And so you just have to prepare for people to not know how to handle you. Um, and to say stupid things. And so those are moments that you have to have grace and that, uh, we just had to go, she doesn't get it. And there was a lot of those moments that people go, okay, well, good. You know, okay. And I'm like, you just don't understand. You don't understand what we're going through. And it's really hard because most people won't, but the people are doing their best. And so you have to have trust in the heart of the person, not always the words that they say.
0: Oh, that's Um, a good point.
1: uh, People just say some things that are hurtful and you don't realize it or going, okay, well, you know, at least you got da-da-da-da. I'm going, there's no at least here. This is a loss of a life. You know, so just mm-hmm. those. Moments, to be prepared for that. Um, and then ultimately, for us to get through this, our faith in Jesus had to increase. And really what our, my pastor Steve said to me of that either Asher is healed or Jesus' grace, God's grace, is going to be sufficient to carry you through. And both of those things are on the same playing ground. Like, that's hard. That's hard when you're in the moment of that. But if you hang on to that truth that going either the miraculous will happen or God's grace is going to increase, both are okay and both are good. And so that's tough though in the moment, Mm -hmm. but to hang on to that truth, um, that would be my advice.
0: I think that's really profound and so um, helpful to anyone walking through any sort of trial right now. I think we can, as humans, we do tend to blame God or we say, can't you see what's going on? (laughs) And of course he can. He can see everything. But... It's good to know that, that there is a miracle in the midst of the provision of just His presence and, and Him walking alongside. And whenever I f- experience grief, I feel closer to Jesus because He was one who grieved and right. He does grieve alongside. And so I know that you must have, both of you must have experienced a kinship with Him that you would not have had everything gone, you know, ponies and rainbows <laughs> in your life. And this gives you empathy for others, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. And that was a question that people ask of going, do you think God will heal him? And my answer to that was always, yes, God will heal him. It's a matter of, does he heal him on earth or does he heal him when he comes through glory? Um, And so the miraculous did happen. That's where we sit here going, we could look at this story and go, well, I guess God chose not to do a miracle. No, he did a miracle when he raised Asher back to life, Mm -hmm. when this world wasn't the end, and he spends eternity in paradise, that's a miracle. And so all of those things, we could wrap it up and go, we only wanted the miracle that made sense to human minds. But God had a bigger miracle in store, and really a far better miracle than if Asher had had to suffer through here for 80 some odd years on this planet, he gets to live his entire life number one inside the womb, which is a pretty comfortable spot I hear. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it in heaven with our Jesus. And so those things, that's the miracle that took place. Um, So there's that question of going, will God heal him? Yes, he did. He healed him, just not in the way that we might've wanted.
0: Well, I just, I knew that this was a perfect story for this podcast. And I'm so grateful for your honesty, your vulnerability. It's a hard story, um, but I'm grateful that I'll just say this, that as we watched you, as Patrick and I watched you from afar we had discussions about you. We talked about you with our kids. We, we talked about how God was being faithful to you and how you were being faithful to him. And you were an example to us, a very strong example of what it meant to be a Christ follower in a chaotic and painful situation. So even though, you know, you, you may not know that, I think there's a lot more people out there that Asher has touched that you have no idea and you won't know until the other side of eternity.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. Um, and we still have our blog live. That's um, We don't update it anymore, so it's just kind of a little memento to him. It's mm-hmm. com, And so it'll tell some of his adventures. And kind of it was written more in the midst of it all. And so as you read it, um, know that, frame it up with that, that we are now past um, some of the question marks that we had there. Um, But it less unpacks a little of our story a little further if you'd like to take a look.
0: Awesome. So that's adventureswithasher.com. Thanks so much, Chris, for coming on today. I really appreciate your story.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Mary.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you today? Jesus, thank you for Chris's story, Chris and Megan's story of, of baby Asher and what you have done in their lives as a result of his life. And I thank you that no life is a mistake that no life is insignificant that every life that you give is has potential to greatly impact the kingdom of God. So as we think about that today as we think about how you use little babies to touch the world and how you came as a baby Jesus. It's just an amazing thing to think about. So for those today who are struggling with a loss, with a huge grief the size of the Grand Canyon. I just pray today Lord you would that you would walk into that pain with them. I thank you that you are a God who understands sorrow, that you are a God who put our skin on and understands what it's like to walk in this world of heartache. So, would you today just come alongside my friend who's listening to this today? And would you embrace, restore, restory, and bring new life? But more than that, would you just weep alongside? Would you help them to know that you are with them, you're not against them, that you're not punishing them, that one of the greatest parts of the gospel is that you walk in the midst of our pain. And I thank you for that. If you'd like to know more about today's shows with links and extended information, please go to RestoryShow.com forward slash 12. And may you live a brand new story this week. Thank you.